0: But he said avoid deception because everything he is is deception. Let's, let's start in the book of Revelation chapter 12. We need to understand something. That, see, we think the devil is, one, is a one trick pony. He's not. So if you got deceived on one point, just understand his very nature is deception. His name is deceit. He is, that's all, everything he is is a deception. And when we don't get up under him, we are deceived. So in Revelation 12, chapter 9, I mean, we talk chapter 12 in verse 9, the Lord says, he was talking about this war that was in heaven, that this deceiver was kicked out of heaven because he had done some deception in heaven. And in verse 9 it says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels, cast out with it. So we see one of the great characteristics of the devil and Satan is what? He deceives the whole world. Now if God says he deceives the whole world. Does he mean the whole world? Yes. Are we in this world? Yes. So have we been deceived? Yes. Now the, 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 what we're going to find yes. out is how we're going to stop being deceived by who? By this enemy. Amen? Amen. And we got to understand this. He fell to the earth. His sophistry was so good that he fooled angels. And we are made a little lower than the angels. So what chance do we have against his great deception? It's called slim and none, and slim just left town. We have no chance outside of Christ. Amen? So when we try to fight the deceiver, or try to what's called decipher the deceiver, we will lose every time because we aren't on that level yet, are we? But Christ is, and this is why we need him. And, and, and then Christ was talking uh, to the church members of uh, the church hierarchy in the book of John, chapter uh, 8. Let's go to John, chapter 8. And he started to describe this deceiver and what he does. And so we would, we would be more able to come closer to God and be able to discern because we are in desperate need of discerning right now. Even when we talk about music this morning, we're in desperate need of being able to discern the good from the evil. When we talk about church, we need to be able to discern the good from the evil. When we talk about anything, we need to be able to discern that. And he was talking uh, to the church hierarchy and he, he said something very interesting to him. He didn't say, Happy Sabbath, you good, nice people. He said in the verse 44 of chapter eight of John, he said, Ye are of your father, the devil. How do you think that would go over if you walked into a church this morning or tomorrow morning and you stood up and made that declaration? How do you think that would happen? Some would be wrong with it. You? you guys would be escorted quite swiftly out of the building. But he said, "Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, ye will do. See, Satan lusted after a position of glory. He said, and this is what was wrong with the church. They wanted a position of glory. And so he said, he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Amen? Amen? When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So let us never be deceived about anything the devil does he is a murderer, a deceiver, and a liar. Whether it, any system that he has developed on this earth is a lying, killing, deceiving system. Any religion that he has developed on this earth is a lying, stealing, and killing uh, 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 religion. Whether it be an industry, whatever it is, it thrives on deception. Secret societies thrive on what? deception? That's why it's secret. I'm going to shake your hand this way. I'm going to bump your elbow. I'm going to stand this way. I'm not going to tell everybody. I'm going to talk to you in riddles. Not parables, riddles. This is what Satan does. Everything he does is caught up in deception. If we understand that, we might be able to stop sympathizing with it. Who would, would you say? Now, pay attention to what I'm saying. I'm not saying government. Thank God for government, amen? Without the government, it'd be a mess. You would have a wild west border you got right now. So God says, I establish government. I establish these things to keep the heathen in lines. And, and but who you think is running the government in the United States? The power of God? Because they're making some interesting decisions. What about the systems that have been put in place, the programs that have been put in place from the government? Who is inspiring these programs? The enemy of souls. The deceiver. So when the government says here, don't ever be deceived that this is for your betterment. Or for your, oh, here, we want to help you. We have programs for children. No child left behind. Do you really believe that that system is put in place to help your child? If you do, do this. Wake up. There's something is real wrong with you. What about the new educational system that has been put in place how many of your people that you know are benefiting from it the people who benefit from the education system are the people who make money off of it the teachers can't stand it the students aren't learning what what so what's the point it's a deceptive system Forget get this industry if, it, if, if there is a god is not running the industry then who runs it? What about, what about your movie industry? It's this whole design is deception, amen? What about your music industry? If, it, if it's inspired or if it's run and put together by the enemy, it's designed to kill and to deceive. So we need to understand that this is the type of battle we're in in everything. Who's running the food industry? You think Jesus came over with GMOs? You think Jesus came up Flint, Michigan's water? They would fix that by now, wouldn't they? What else? Everything that is not of God is of this deceit. We gotta remember that. Go to Proverbs, if you would. Here's just a quick example about the deception. About when you fall for the deception, when you, when you, when you, when you get caught up in it, things happen to you. And the things that happen to you are always uh ends in death if you keep on with it. Now, there was, you know, when people say, well, Jesus turned water into wine. Didn't you do that? Then we automatically went to what? What wine was. We think wine is what we think wine is. You know, we think of the fermented uh, variety, though. Know? We think of the, uh, I don't know, I don't even know the brands of wine, so y'all just bear with me. I know you got red, you got white. You used to have, have they all you have these things, they said, well, Jesus drank wine, we can drink wine, okay? Well, let's go to Proverbs. See, this is what the deception is. Wine is a deceiver, okay? Anybody who ever had too much of it will testify to that. And we're in Proverbs 23, and he gives us some instructions about this wine. He says, Proverbs 23, we'll start at verse 31. Proverbs 23, let's begin at verse 31. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself to right. Now, anybody who came to the country, and a like, grandmama or somebody used to make wine, they put it under bed in these mason jars, and all of a sudden, a little the night you, pop, 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 because the, for- the fermentation was happening. It was blowing the tops off. And, and when, it, when it happens, those, those alcohol that starts to form, it starts moving to the right. He said, when that starts happening, it's called fermented wine. And this is what happens when you consume fermented wine. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold what? Strange women, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. Is that not true? Now, who runs the alcohol or the wine industry? Satan. I can tell you that, because have you ever seen an alcohol commercial? You know, beer commercial or you know tequila commercial. What's the point of the commercial? Is to get you to want this stuff because the people look so cool or the people are half naked. Yeah. Okay, so that is a deceiving industry. So know that he is trying to deceive you by getting you to buy something that is a deceiving, uh, has a deceiving influence upon you, and even in the the the, 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 te- the sanctuary of God, back in Leviticus. It caused some people to lose their lives. Now let's look at Leviticus chapter 10. See, this is why we have to be warned at all times. It doesn't matter what position that you hold. He said in Leviticus chapter 10, we're going to get in verse 1. What we're talking about is a, the voiding, avoiding the deception. We've got to avoid the things that put us in a position to be deceived. Amen? What do you think drugs are for? And I'm not just talking about the, the legal drugs. Legal drugs cause you to do certain things. Illegal drugs cause you to do certain things. of them are deceptive. When you take an aspirin for pain, did you fix the problem? But you've been deceived into thinking everything is okay. What about when you when you smoke? Uh, I'm not see this. Uh, let's say you use uh, street drugs. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> street drugs. Thank you, Vince. What does it do to you? It puts you in a mindset that you're more readily deceived by things. And we proved this in Leviticus chapter 10 when these brothers did something they was not supposed to do. They knew better, but they were under the influence. You ever heard that? That's why when you get pulled over, it's called driving under the influence. But we think it's the influence of alcohol. We think it's of the influence of, of drugs. It's the influence of that spirit. Can we say amen? amen. Leviticus chapter 10, the beginning at verse 1, And Nadab and Abahu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord. See, that's what their job was. They were to offer the fire, the incense, in the sanctuary. This is what their job They were the sons of Aaron. These were Levites. Put they offered a strange fire because they didn't do it exactly like they were supposed to do. And in verse 2, I mean, I'm sorry, strange, uh, uh, offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And then went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Okay? That's the end of the thing. Remember we talked about what the saint's plan was? He was going to deceive, you were murdered, he was going to lie to you, so he can murder you. These guys were killed. Because they were under the influence. Let's go down to verse 8. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, Do not what? Drink wine nor strong drink. Because this is what happened to his two sons. And the reason, he said, Don't drink uh, wine or strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, these he die. He shall be a statute forever uh, throughout your generations, and ye, and That ye, at that, after your generation. Now, the purpose of the, the deception was to make sure they didn't do what God would have them to do. So the purpose of the deception in our life is the same thing. But this, this is what happened when they, when they had this, wine, uh, they lost the ability to do something. And in verse 11, it teaches us this. It says, and that ye may teach the children of Israel, I'm sorry, verse 10, and that ye may put difference between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean. When you are under the influence, you cannot determine the difference between clean and unclean. You can't determine that there is a difference between these two. That's why Satan tries to deceive us and to be under his deception, so we can't was right and what's wrong he said in verse 11 and the they teach the children of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken unto them by the hand of Moses see what happened there was this that their job was to represent the righteousness of Christ but when we step out of line by falling for the deception the people behind us the children the generation to come doesn't get taught what they need to be taught. And so when we go for the deception, they're deceived as well. You see how important that is? Between the third and the fourth generation and then the eighth day, he said, I need you as a people to stop putting yourselves under the delusion or the deception of Satan. Amen? And doing those things that, that put us in those particular situations. What about the news? And just, who owns the news industry? It's, it's amazing what they put out there. People are just, okay, that must be true. Uh, what's the big thing now? Uh, uh, the earth is flat. That's a new movement. A flat earth. Flat. Flat. The earth was flat. And I've been in an airplane. I'm sorry. Uh, I've been in a, a 104 stories in, in the air. All I see is this. Uh, it's the curvature. I mean, but, but if you put it on the nose enough, what happens? People believe it must be true. I heard the news people tell me that. And none of us are paying enough attention to anything they're saying. We just pick it up and keep moving. Pick it up and keep moving. It's entertainment, government programs, all this stuff. is all run by the deceit. Don't get caught in it. Don't believe in it. Don't believe. If, 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 you, if you got home today and there was a newscast that said, President, Obama flew across Canada without a plane. Okay, and they showed it to you. You know who? Ooh, ooh, ooh. How many people believe that? The vast majority of Earth would say, "Man, dude, you fly too." But our minds have been so deceived, we just believe anything without investigating. I saw something yesterday that was just incredible. I feelings or you know i don't want nobody to get into their feelings but you know that thing in orlando that happened a couple weeks ago when i looked at it i just couldn't believe how fake it was it was just amazing to me i'm like that makes sense that did and, and i'm not i wasn't looking for it i mean i got it. you know I, I got time for the youtube investigator but It was just incredible. I know enough about video and how light works and what light shadow's supposed to look like and I know what a green screen looks like. And I'm like, this guy just said he got shot in the head with a assault rifle and then he didn't have a bandage on. If I shot you with a BB gun, you at least have a bandaid. So, but that's part of the deception, you have to look and find out why things are being done, because it's all spiritual, why things are being done? Why are they saying this? Why are they positioning this? Then, when you're not deceived, you're able to see it, so God can put you in the position he wants you in. Amen? He wants you to believe him. He wants you to understand him. He wants you to be able to follow him. And he wants you to be able to hear him. But if we're under the deception, you can do none of those things. Amen? Amen. Who falls for the deceptions of Satan? Let's go to Revelation. Let's go to Revelation. Back to Revelation chapter 13 this time. Who falls for these things? Because when you see God and you know God, you're like, how stupid can you be? We all are. But in Revelation 13, he tells us who falls for. In Revelation 13, we we'll start at verse 8. In Revelation 13, and let's begin at verse 8. He says, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. See, it's not just about being deceived, it's about what position deception puts you in. It puts you in a worship, a worship position. He said, the whole world is going to worship him, whose names are not written with. In the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He said, if any man have an ear, let it be. Now, that is the majority of the people on earth. You all have your names written in the Lamb book a lot, don't you? Amen. Said, Say what is with confidence. Amen. 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 You have your names written there, but your name is doing some strange things in that book. Because you can fall out of that book. But he said, everybody who doesn't believe in, 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 the, in the Lamb slain from the foundation of the earth are ready to see. Okay? You got that? Amen. He said, Amen have an ear, let him hear. So the only chance that we have is to stay connected to the Lamb. Stay connected to His spirit and stay connected to His way. And the only way you can stay connected, brothers and sisters, if you stay in a position of submission. Every time we get out of this submission position, that's what happens to us? We get deceived. We get on enchanted ground that we we can't handle the the, the, the sophistry and the the, the mesmerizing influence of the devil. We must always do something we talked about Wednesday night. We must always walk in the spirit. Always, in everything we do. It doesn't matter if you're on a basketball court. It doesn't matter if you're in the kitchen. It doesn't matter if you're in school. It doesn't matter if you're at home. You need to walk in the spirit. And how do we We run on Wednesday night? We walk in the spirit by obeying him, by understanding what he would have us to do and let the spirit be in us so we may walk in it. Is that right? But without that spirit, we are under and we will fall under the deception of, 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 of the devil. What to Romans, if you will. Were. we're trying to find out who, who gets to see. And every time we get to be one of these who's, we get to see. Amen? Amen? Romans chapter 3. We're going to try to get y'all out of here. I know it's a i tell you what, it ain't as high as it is up here. <laughs> so Romans chapter 3. We're we'll beginning at verse 12. Romans chapter 3, let's begin at verse 12. And he starts talking about a people who are deceived, who have fallen under the deception of the enemy. He say they are all gone, out of the way. Now, what way are they going out of? The way of Christ, right? They are all, they are together become uncomfortable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So when we get outside of submission to Christ, we are one of these individuals. No, not one. And it can happen just like that. As soon as we leave the Spirit of God, we are all automatically in the other camp. Have you ever had something happen just like that, and you, and you you find out, you say, oh, Lord, sorry, and you, you, you get to go back home. You go back to where you're supposed to be. That's how powerful it is if we have to rely on our own righteousness and our own ability. We need to submit to him, and that's the only way we'll be able to not be victimized by the deception. He said the first thing, their throat is an open scepter. With their tongues, they have used deceit. Now, when you find somebody deceiving somebody, who is their inspiration? Right. Satan. to The deceive, right? If you ever deceived somebody, who was inspiring you? Now, you know what? Deception is not just lying. Deception is telling a half truth. Mm-hmm. Or positioning the, the, your portion of the truth to make you look okay. Mm-hmm. Children are masters of this. They never tell you the whole story. Uh, The vamp Yep. And then I was walking in the house and it I was walking and I walked by and it just fell down. That's not the whole truth. Two things were true. They were walking, it fell. That's deception. Why? Because they didn't want the consequence of doing the the consequence that would come with doing the things you told them how to do. We as adults need to put that. We need to stop positioning our conversations to make us look righteous and someone else look unrighteous. Remember that God says we should edify one another? We have to be a people who stop trying to be recognized as holy. That make sense? We need to be the people who are holy. Who go and do the things God asks us to do. To, to elevate above that foolishness. It's not a competition. Saints should never be in competition one with another. We should be holding each other up. If one person is down, we should all be down trying to lift them up. If somebody is up, we should all be saying, man, I'm sure up. How's it up there, instead of, man, we're going to come down here with us. Memphis is full of that. We are what they call crabs in barrel. I'm not sure St. Louis probably has a few crabs. I'm sure San Antonio has a few crabs. I'm sure West Tennessee has it. I know West Tennessee has it, and I know reform movement has it, because man, we are the most awful people on the face of the earth. Okay. Let's read verse 14. Let's finish, verse 13. He said, with their tongues they used to seek the poison of ass under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness? Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their way. And the way of peace have they not known. Now here is the conclusion of this. We see what they are doing. But the conclusion is found in verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Herein is the issue. There's no fear of God. If you didn't have a fear of God, wouldn't you feel what? What's that? You say, I didn't do whatever. There's no consequence. And that's that's what we're living in today. We're living in a generation where there's no fear of God before their eyes. No one cares what God's going to think. No one cares what what God's going to say. They don't even care about God. That's why people get murdered every day. In this city, somebody else got shot. The only thing that is being feared now is the police. And that's iffy. because they figure they can get away with it. Nobody fears God anymore. And when you're living in a nation where no one fears God, you are under the influence, and you are going to fall under the deception of Satan. And we know Satan's endless game is death. Is this what's happening in America today? Everybody is doing what? Dying. One way or the other. When we lose the fear of God, we lose the only thing, and I mean the only thing, that can detect the good from the evil. That's the only thing. Remember, we talked about Aaron's sons. They lost the capability of knowing the clean and the unclean. Why? Because they were under the deception or the influence of something that opened them up to the deceit. Nehemiah. Go to Nehemiah, please. See, we need this ear of God. And the only way we get it is that we keep the fear of God before us. And we love God. We know what the fear of God is, don't we? The fear of God is beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is to respect. The fear of God is to submit. The fear of God is to to, to, to follow His way. We respect God, and we respect His way so much, we give up our way for His way. That's why I said when you don't have that fear, you'll do anything. Before you met the Lord, did you do everything and anything? Amen. Because there was no reprimandian care i me, let me t- give you a, a help tip, younger people. Uh, you might want to slow down. Because right now, there is no fear of old age. There's no fear of pain in old age. There's no fear that, oh, my ankle's going to hurt for absolutely no reason. There's no fear of that. But guess what? When you get older and you wake up, see, right now, I say, Jay Jay wake up and his shoulder hurt. He's like, oh, my shoulder. All right, check it out. You get to be 50, your shoulder hurt. Oh, Lord, i having a What's going on with you? So because there's a different eyes because you're like this could possibly be something that's important. Well, that's what happens to us in the Lord. He said, When you were outside of me, you didn't care. Everything was okay. Jump off the moon, do this, you steal from somebody, rob somebody, you know, it didn't matter. But once you met the Lord, you know that, that ain't right. And so we got to keep the fear of God in front of us. That will help us in this fight we have against the deceased. Now, now Nehemiah, his project was to do what? Restore and rebuild Jerusalem. He had to be connected with God. Because, just because you make a statement that you're gonna do something, it doesn't automatically happen. You must be maintaining a relationship with God throughout the process. And so he had found himself in a particular situation. You remember our favorite character in the Bible called Sandala? You know, him and his boys got together, and they were going to try to, 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 to uh, make sure that this project didn't get complete. But he had been through a conversation with him already. And he said, look, man, I, I'm busy. I can't come down because God was telling him these men meant the project no good. Now, in verse six, I mean, chapter 6 of Nehemiah, chapter 6 of Nehemiah, we're going to begin in verse 10 chapter 6 of Nehemiah, and this is why we need to be connected so we can see things like they are, so we can act upon the things that are real and not the things that are not or have been presented to us. It's Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 10. He said, Afterward I came to the house of Shimei, the son of Deleah, the son of Nehotev, uh, who was shut up, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God. Now think about that. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? These brothers came and said, Let us meet in the house of God. Now who would say no to that? So let's keep reading. Let us meet in the house of God within the temple. And let us shut the doors of the temple. For well, they will come to slay they see, Nehemiah knew there was a contract out there. But this guy was coming and telling them, man, we go to the temple and close the doors. Nobody can get to you. Now let's keep reading. He said, within the temple, let us shut the doors of the temple. For they will come to slay me. Yea, in the night, they will come to stay me. You know, somebody told you something like that, you would think going to the temple would be a good idea. Because you think the temple is safe. The temple is a place where no one gets hurt. Verse 11. And I said, this is Nehemiah, said, such a man as I flee, first of all, I'm not afraid. Nehemiah would afraid anybody. He said, God sent me on this, this, particular project i'm not afraid of you why am i gonna run from somebody and who is there that being as i am would go into the temple to save his life i will not go in verse 12 says and lo i what i perceive that god had not sent him how did he perceive that god had sent this man he was connected from submission he was connected to his God, so he was not under the influence of Satan's trick. He saw that man coming a mile mile away. Remember that old expression? I saw that coming a mile away. That was a deception that was coming. He said, man, that's a weak deception. I see that coming a mile away. Don't bring that to me. He said, but God showed him that. He said, I perceive that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me. He said, the guy who was telling me to lock myself up was the one that was supposed to kill me. How did he know that? But by being connected. And this is how serious this is for us. We must maintain a spiritual connection to the one that can tell you these things. Just because a man tells you to go to church. just because we don't have a church meeting. doesn't mean everybody there is church-like. He said... But that he pronounced this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Samballot had hired him. Verse 13, Therefore was he hired, that I should be afraid, and do so, and sin, and that they might have matter of an evil report, and they might reproach me. See, God will tell his people what's going on. Do you know what's going on in this world today? If you're with God, you know exactly what's happening. And the biggest thing we preach is always stay connected. Stay with him, because he's the only one that can tell you what's going on. We'll get fooled by somebody's school talk. We'll get fooled by somebody's religious talk. We'll get fooled by somebody's building. We'll get fooled by somebody's background. He said, I don't need my people fooled by anybody, so I need you to stay connected with me. Amen? Now, now go to Zephaniah. Zephaniah. And we'll wrap up here in just a second. Zephaniah chapter 3. There's an element about this deception. There's an element about this deception that we need to address before we leave. There's an element about deception, is a byproduct of deception. This is really actually what he wants to happen. He said, the verse Zephaniah chapter 3. Let's read verse 13. He said, The remnant of Israel, that is you, shall not do iniquity. Nor speak lies; neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they shall feed and lie down, and none shall lift them what afraid. He said, when we are connected with this remnant of Israel, when we when we are not speaking deceitful language, when we're not doing iniquity, we're not telling lies. He said, you'll be able to lie down and not be afraid, because fear is the key. Remember, God said, I need you to fear Me. The devil says, I'm going to counterfeit this. I need you to fear me. And when we are not afraid, we can stand and and, and and under not understand, but understand the word of God. When we when we get afraid, we start believing in for that power that's making us afraid. Can we say amen to that? When that fear, when somebody comes, that hammer comes down and you're afraid of it, you'll start doing whatever that hammer tells you to do. That woman God said, faith wants his deceptions to produce fear in your heart. And when fear enters into your heart, you separate yourself from the only thing that can help you at that hour. Now, almost all major events in history have used this particular tactic. I remember preaching on this this six or seven years ago. It's called the, the Helgelian dialectic. Anybody heard of that? Uh, it is... It is a process that they have been using forever and ever, basically. And it's called Problem, Reaction, Solution. Okay? I'm going to read you how the devil devil does this. He put this in place, especially in America, a couple of centuries ago. Every war you've ever been in is based in this particular dialectic. Every situation that you see on television is based in this dialectic. They, They have something they want to do, knowing at this point you won't let that happen. So all they have to do is make you afraid enough to ask for what they wanted you to do in the first place. They said, "He said, he said, you manufacture a crisis, or take advantage of a crisis that already exists, in order to get the desired reaction of public outcry, whereby the public demands a solution which has been." predetermined from the beginning. And that slick, that's like I'm saying, I want you to vote uh, for gun laws. I want all American citizens to give up their guns, okay? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pro anti, I'm not even on gun, so I'm not on that trip, I this is an example. Uh, if I want you to give up your guns, and I know the public will not give up their guns, I must come up with some type of activity that will make you ask for that. So what do I do? I start in the middle of the country. And I put this this this, this, this masterful uh, uh, false flag together where people supposedly died. And they died because of assault rifles. Okay? Well, I start with that. Then I start going to children. Children were killed by assault rifles. Okay? Now everybody's saying, oh man, assault violence terrible. Now look, I'm not pro-assault or condensault, so it's not what this is about. This is just explaining this particular dialectic. And, and so now I go to black people in a church who get killed by what? Uh, right, assault so, Then I go to somewhere down in Orlando where the homosexual community gets killed by what? Uh-huh. So now the whole nation is saying what? Man, of- man of- and that was what they wanted you to do all the time. That's called the dialectic. Hegelian dialectic. They've been doing it since forever in America. Why, why did we go into? Why did they tell you that we went into World War II? Come on, history people. I know y'all y'all study history in high school, and I think they still study uh, World uh, War II in high school. Pearl Harbor. America did not want to go to war. The powers that be needed America to go to war because there's a lot of money in war. Yes. Yeah. And so they said, well, how can we get America bad enough to go fight all the way across the ocean in some land that we don't even care about? What did they do? They came up with a, with a problem. Okay, Japan, December 7th, Bill here. Boom, oh, we gotta go to war. They were, what they wanted you to do was go to war. You said, i no, no, no. So they, they develop a problem make make you want what they want. That's Satan's program, okay? That's why we can't fear. Every time he puts these programs together, our response is out of fear. Oh, no, this is terrible. Oh, no, we have to do something. Oh, no, we're afraid. He said if you stay out of the realm of fear, you'll be able to see clearly what is really going on. Why does he want us to pray? He wants to steal something. We're going to close with this. Revelation 21. He wants to steal something. Because his days are not number. Huh? Thank God they're numbering. But he says, you know what? I want all of y'all to suffer the same thing. I'm going to suffer. Because I know my enemy, Jesus, loves y'all. I can't get Jesus, i tried to get him, but I'm going to get all the ones he loves. Yeah. And here we are, he's trying to steal this from you. This is a promise God gave to you. Revelation chapter 21. We we'll start at verse 2 and he said, And our saw the holy city. You know that's where you're supposed to do, you, you, that's your future residence. But if you don't fall for the deception, here is your future residence. He said, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with me, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. This is why he's doing all of this, to steal this from you. Why are we letting him take our, our place in glory? Why are we letting him take our happiness from us? We ought to know him by now. But the problem is we leave the protection of submission and go into our own self-serving practices. Therefore, we are calling that deception. Verse 4 said, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Don't we want to see that? Don't we want to be a part of that? Yeah. But the devil is trying to deceive us into missing this. Yeah. And he said, And there shall be no more death neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall be any more pain for the former things of what? Passed away. He said he's trying to keep us from getting here. This is where God is trying to get us. But deception is in the midst of us, of us being able to, to, to see clearly, to discern the good from the evil, from the clean and the unclean. And if we get out of the world of deception and come back to Christ, we'll have this as a reward. And verse 8 says, but the fearful and unbelieving. So you see why it's important for him to make us afraid. He said the fearful and unbelieving. And when you are fearful and you don't believe, you will be abominable, you will murder, you will be a homeowner, you will be a sorcerer, and you will be an idolater, and what? You'll be a liar because he's the father of it. Right? And all of those people we just described shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, which is the death, that's automatically given to Satan. He's trying to take us there. We have to stand for God now and not let him take our birthright away, not let him take our future away. What we have to do is stand for the right, go to heaven front. Can we do that? Mm-hmm. And the only way to stand that way is to stand with God. The only way to, to not be deceived is to stand with God. we got to stop calling for the tricks of Satan because they're so simple, but we're a simple-minded you know? Oh, we can do that, it's all right, God understands. That's a deception. We can break the law, it's all right, God understands. How many people broken the law this week? I'm talking about the civil law. Well, let not put on the cameras, don't worry about it. speed, how many people went over the speed with Amen. Okay, <laughs> now, the more you drive over the speed, the chances go up that you get caught. Yes. Now, miss, the problem is, if we don't get yeah, the... caught, where's the incentive to stop? Something tragic has to happen for us to stop. And they try to put these things in place called tickets. When you pay a $200 ticket, that's supposed to be a determined. Mm-hmm. Supposed to be. Has it been? Yes. I just paid a ticket. And those I know people who save money for tickets because they know they're gonna get one. Isn't that just stupid? Well, uh, you know, I, I'm just not gonna I'm just not gonna obey the law. I'm just gonna do what I want to do, I'm gonna have me a little shoebox full of my ticket money. We act like that with God. When you say in Ecclesiastes, just because execution or sentence doesn't occur immediately after you sin is fully into the part of man to do evil. God says, I need you to understand, don't be deceived by you didn't get caught, because you didn't get caught. Who's the one that can catch you? God is everywhere, at all times. So whatever you're doing, guess who's there with you? Somebody writing that thing down. God didn't do anything about it this time, so it must be okay. (laughs) Anybody said that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, if you didn't say it, you act like it. (laughs) I ate this big old barbecue sandwich. I didn't drop dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to eat another. One. Then you get to be 35 and all of a sudden I got, I got high bread, I got, I got, sugar. I got that sugar. I got sugar. No one ought to have sugar. You all should. <laughs> Amen? Amen? You all shouldn't have pressure problems. Stress is a killer. Everybody in this room is under stress. Amen. Stress kills people faster than cigarettes. Amen. Well, we got stress, we fall in front of deception. We think that if it don't happen this way, it can't happen. <laughs> Lord, if I don't have this job, I'm going to starve. Oh, like the job is in charge of you. Please understand this. It is not your job. Amen. Okay? If you don't believe that your job is not your job, somebody had your job before you got there. How they going to take your job from you if it's your job. He said, Sister, daughter, you fired. Obviously, it wasn't your job. They can't fire you from you, can they? it? Amen. So we have to stop being under deception and stress, too. That deception is killing us. Understand who God is. God is our maker. God is our designer. God is our caretaker. God is our shepherd. He is all of that if you would just submit and believe. So don't get caught in the deception, all right? Mm-hmm. It's nothing in your life. Are we okay? Mm-hmm. All right, y'all hung in there. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. And, and next week, it'll be a little cooler by God's grace, and I don't mean outside. Okay. So we'll see if we can work on this. Uh, but we thank God for even a place to gather for mm-hmm. right. Amen. And, and it was wonderful to see everybody's face. Mm-hmm. And everybody showed up. And uh, I think probably some of them showed up to see, what in the world are they doing now? <laughs> But, uh, God has blessed us and I pray that you will come again and if this is where we can be it's where we're going to be for a little while and if not we'll be somewhere else but I always understand that God is in control of this all Amen. and God is making a turn We keep saying this on the prayer line God is turning his feet what you must understand is that the paradigm has shifted as it relates to your relationship and what the relationship of the world with God we have to get what He wants us to be, so we can be the most benefit to others. So what God is doing is what He does. He does things that we don't understand, and we thank God we don't understand. We should just say, "Amen." Thank you, Lord. Where are we go? Amen. Thank can we say that? Where are we go? <laughs> Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, our God, once again, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for clearing this up, for clearing our minds, Lord, for clearing our thoughts, Lord, for clearing our hearts, Lord, to understand that this great deceiver has had rule over us only because we will not submit to your way. Father, forgive us for that. Forgive us, Lord, and give us strength, Lord, to hold fast to you, Lord, not to be under the deception of the delusions of Satan any longer. Lord, let us not participate in activities, Father, that cause us to be deceived. Lord, give us strength. Help us, Lord. Help us to overcome. Help us to stand for you. Help us to be a help, Lord. Father, we ask that you would bless us in this day. That you would make us a people that can show the world who the living God truly is. That you would make a people that can be kings and priests. That you would make us, Father, this people, Lord, that will bow down and worship only the true and living God. Thank you again for this opportunity. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to tune us in today. We pray that you've been blessed by the Word. If you would like more of these sermons, please check us out on our YouTube page, download our podcast, and like and share us on Facebook and Twitter. May God bless you today and forevermore.